Oh, okay. Very, very sleepy. Oh, okay. Just came back from having a very nice Chinese uh, dinner at Imwa. So really, I just went to sleep. <laughs> but okay, all right, let me try this. Let me try to do this reading uh, from 1 Kings chapter 2. Hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We're looking at 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, uh, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. <laughs> Be strong and show yourself a man, man up, <laughs> and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their walk, sorry, to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So there's this promise that God gives to is to to David, not Israel, to David, saying, you know, I'm going to ensure that you're always going to have a son on the throne. There's a dynasty. There's always going to be a son, 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 who's going to be king, 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 king. But there's a condition. They need to be careful to obey the law of Moses. And it's talking about the Bible. It's talking maybe more specifically about um could it be the book of Deuteronomy? Well, all the laws in the Pentateuch. And uh, so that's why these are David's last words. He's going to die, verse 1. So he calls his son and says, Atzaya, Atzaya. <laughs> Make sure you read your Bible. Make sure you follow your Bible because there's a promise here. And there's a kind of inheritance. You know, David is leaving behind something. You know, this wisdom, this instruction, this treasure in the form of God's promise. If you do this, you will have the throne. But also, if you pass this down to your son, he will also retain this promise of kingship uh, down the line of his dynasty. So that's his last word. You know, man up, obey God's word. Yeah. Verse 5, moreover, there's more. You also know what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, how he dealt with the two commanders of the armies of Israel, Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed, he say, <laughs> avenging in time of peace for blood that had been shed in war and putting the blood of war on the belt around his waist and on the sandals on his feet. So um, this guy, Joab, it says here, took blood in time of peace. So he held to a grudge, in other words. You know, the grudge of these two war commanders, he was fighting, but then now they're in peace, but he took advantage of them, and then he killed these two guys. And the picture here is of blood on his belt 
and blood on his sandals. You say blood on his hands, you know, he's a murderer, he has blood on his hands. But the expression here is blood on his like clothes, I guess. You know, which he stained with his acts of violence. Verse 6, act therefore according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to shale in peace. Um, so don't let this guy get away with it. <laughs> don't let him just die of old age, in other words. You know, you need to find an opportunity to punish him for his crimes. And he equates them with equates this punishment with wisdom, you know, according to your wisdom. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. So Solomon's wisdom is the wisdom of, of a judge. Yeah. Verse 7, But deal loyally with the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, for with such loyalty they met me when I fled from Absalom your brother. And there is also with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Bahurim. <laughs> That's such a long name. Shima, Shimei, son of Gera, Benjaminite from Bahurim. And what did Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Bahurim do? Verse 8, who cursed me with a grievous curse on the day when I went to Mahanaim. Uh, but when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death by the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are wise. You are a wise man. You will know what you ought to do with him, and you shall bring his gray head down with blood to Sheol. So again, that equation of wisdom and also judgment. Hmm, interesting connection. Uh, verse 10, then David slept with his fathers. He died. <laughs> and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned for seven years in Hebron and for 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. So it's a strong rule that, um, that he established under Solomon. Okay, let's carry on. Uh, I think stuff happens right after this. Uh, verse 13, then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Do you come peacefully? Sorry, Bathsheba. Do you come peacefully? He said, Peacefully. Then he said, I have something to say to you. She said, Speak. He said, You know that the kingdom was mine and that all Israel fully expected me to reign. However, the kingdom has turned about and become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Interesting that he acknowledges that God had given um, this kingdom to his brother. Even though he had his supporters, that everyone knew that I was the king. But it says, yeah, God took it away and gave it to my brother. Okay. Uh, verse 16, and now I have one request to make of you. Do not refuse me. She said to him, speak. And he said, please ask King Solomon, he will not refuse you, to give me Abishag the Shunammite as my wife. Bathsheba said, very well, I'll speak to you, uh, for you, to the king. So uh, if you didn't catch yesterday's episode, you need to listen to that or read 1 Kings chapter 1 to know who Adonijah and, Shun and Abishag is. So Adonijah is... Um, 
the other brother, you know, the other son of David, who tried to make a grab for the throne. But before he could do that, or rather he did think that he was successful in getting that, David pronounced uh, Solomon as the king. And so uh, he lost out. And so here he is uh, asking for a consolation prize. And his consolation prize, having lost the kingdom, having lost his support, is to get um, uh, this girl named Abishag the Shunammite as his wife. And you think, oh, you know, he, he just wants a wife. He just wants, you know, like someone to keep him company. Sounds sweet. But actually, Abishag, we also met in, back in chapter one. She was actually the concubine of David. You know, David was very old, and she was the person meant to keep him like warm. <laughs> so um, there's a kind of meaning behind this. You know, he's not just asking for any girl. He's asking for David's concubine. So what happens, verse 19, so Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah, and the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her, so gave respect to his mother. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. So she, you know, she had a special place um, in his heart, also in well in in the government right on his right hand so she was someone he trusted verse 20 then she said i have one small request to make of you do not refuse me and the king said to her make your request my mother for i will not refuse you she said let abishag the shunammite be given to adonijah your brother as his wife verse 22 king solomon answered his mother and why do you ask Abishag, the Shunammite for Adonijah, ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, and on his side are Abiathar the priest and Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more also, if this word does not cost Adonijah his life. And now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has established me and placed me on the throne of David, my father, and who has made me a house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. <laughs> so he obviously takes it very personally. You know, he says, you know, this guy is trying to be very sneaky about it, but he's making a play for the throne. He says, you know, why just ask for the concubine? Why not ask for the whole um, kingdom? And as a result, he says, today, you know, he's going to die. And he dies today, verse 25. So King Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and struck him down, and he died. So that day itself, he killed off his brother. I don't, uh, I don't know what to make of this. Um, I guess he was right. You know, he was very, very cheeky. Um, and I think it did have overtones of him making a kind of claim on the throne. Maybe uh, symbolically, he says, oh, I don't have the throne, but I have, you know, the king's, the former king's concubine. Uh, by the way, uh, this is totally unrelated. <laughs> but there's a very strange, silly story of, um, of this guy um, uh, who is from Japan and first came to, uh, I think, England or was in America, came to the West and didn't know any English, but he had a Bible. 
And so he went in the market and he was trying to use words he learned from the Bible to speak in English. So in his broken English from the Bible, he said to the market seller, please, sir, can I have two concubines? <laughs> he meant cucumbers. <laughs> but here, okay, yeah, but it's very silly, it's very silly. But here, obviously, he, is, he means the concubine, the, the partner of the king. And, you know, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when Absalom, the other brother, another brother who tried to claim the throne, tried to make a claim for the kingship, what he did was he slept with King David's concubines. And so this is the same thing. Symbolically, he's saying, I actually deserve the throne. Uh, the thing I have a problem with this is that it still seems kind of vicious. You know, Solomon gets really, really offended. Um, and he just straight away goes and kills him. And he might be right. I, I'm not saying he isn't. But it is very, very swift. You know? Yeah. He dies. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to... Well, says so much still. <laughs> I'm going to speed through because I'm super tired. I'm going to sleep now. Uh, verse 26, and, Abith, and to Bithar the priest, the king, the priest, the king said, go to Anathoth to your estate for you deserve death, but I will not at this time put you to death because you carry the ark of the Lord God before David, my father, and because you shared in all my father's affliction. So Solomon expelled Abiathar from being priest of the Lord, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord that he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Hmm. Sorry. So interesting. So um, he also expels Abithar. And Abithar was one of the priests who was supporting his brother back in chapter 1. But what's interesting is verse 27 says this is fulfilling a prophecy. So it fulfills the word of the Lord concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. And I think um, I didn't even know this. I'm not sure if whether it was made obvious, but it means that Abiathar was a descendant of Eli and that um, maybe, it, I, I honestly can't remember this, maybe there was a prophecy about how Eli's descendants would no longer be priests in God's temple. I, I don't know. I don't know. Please, please check this out. But what, what it seems very obvious here is that David was doing something that God wanted David to do. You know, this was a judgment that was not just whimsical. Maybe it was, um, but actually God used David's judgment to bring about a fulfillment of God's will. Yeah. Verse 28, Then the news, when the news came to Joab, for Joab had supported Adonijah, though he had not supported Absalom, Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and caught hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told King Solomon, Joab has fled to the tent of the Lord, and behold, he is beside the altar. Uh, Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, go strike him down. This is the same guy who killed uh, Adonijah, sent his assassin, <laughs> his, his, his general, his general. Go strike him down. So Benaiah came to the tent of the Lord and said to him, the king commands, come out. But he said, no, I will die here. Then Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, thus said Joab, and thus he answered me. The king replied to him, do as he said, strike him down and bury him, and thus take away from me and from my father's house the guilt for the blood that Joab shed without cause. 
the Lord will bring back his bloody deeds on his own head, because without the knowledge of my father David, he attacked and killed with a sword two men more righteous and better than himself, Abner the son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, commander of the army of Judah. So shall their blood come back on their head, on the head of Joab, and on the head of his descendants forever. But for David and for his descendants and for his house and for his throne, there shall be peace from the Lord forevermore. Oh, I'm really tired. Okay, all right. Then Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck him down and put him to death. And he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, over the army in place of Joab. And the king put Zadok, the priest, in the place of Abiathar. So Joab, I think, uh, was inspired by the events of chapter 1 because I think the same thing was done by, um, what's his face? <laughs> Adonijah, yeah. <laughs> so he also runs to the altar. So this is chapter 1 and verse 51. He laid hold of the horns of the altar, you know, um, you know, uh, yeah. And so he was, he was let go, yeah. So he thought that Joab could do the same thing. And as long as he ran to the altar, he held on to the altar, no one would kill him. But I think um, here uh, Solomon actually shows that he, is, he doesn't care. You know, he just kills him on the spot. And um, yeah, yeah he, 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 he's essentially executing the justice that his father told him to do. He said, you know, use your wisdom, you know, make sure this guy gets punished for his crimes. And again, this is really, really iffy because it's wisdom, but it's wisdom not to let um, this guilt go unpunished, I guess. Joab was really guilty for killing these two men. But here, here's the thing, you know, David didn't have the resolve to kill Joab. And Solomon, um, he only killed Joab after he killed Adonijah. So there was a triggering point. Um, and why, you know, you know, why didn't David kill him? Why did Solomon wait until after um, Adonijah had done this thing about asking for the wife? I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure. How does that relate to wisdom? How does that relate to justice? Hmm. I'm still. I'm still kind of figuring things out. Maybe. Maybe it's the wisdom not to delay justice. But then again, he didn't do it immediately. It was only after um, Adonijah had instigated this marriage proposal. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Still thinking. Yeah. Uh, verse 36. Okay, all right, let's try to finish this. Verse 36. Then the king sent and summoned Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there, and do not go out from there to any place whatsoever. For on the day that you go out and cross the brook Kidron, know for certain that you shall die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shimei said to the king, what you say is good. As my lord the king has said, so will your servant do. So Shimei lived in Jerusalem for many days. So he shows mercy to this one guy, Shimei. Um, even though his dad said, you know, this guy cursed me, you should kill him. He says, you know, as long as you stay in your house, you don't go out, you're safe. 
But the moment you leave, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're responsible for your own death. Your blood shall be on your own head. That's what he says. Verse 39, you can kind of guess. I mean, you know, it's a setup. You can kind of guess that something is going to happen that's going to cause Shimei to break the rules. You, you knew that this is going to happen, right? Verse 39, but it happened at the end of three years that two of Shimei's servants ran away to Achish, son of Meachah, king of Gath. And when it was told Shimei, behold, your servants are in Gath, Shimei arose and saddled the donkey and went to Gath to Achish to seek his servants. Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath, brought them back. They ran away. He went there and brought them back. And when Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and returned, the king sent, sent and summoned Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord? And solemnly warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day that you go out and go to any place whatever, you shall die. And you said to me, What you say is good, I will obey. Why then have you not kept your oath to the Lord and the commandment with which I commanded you? The king also said to Shimei, you know in your own heart all the harm that you did to my to David, my father. So the Lord will bring back your harm on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Then the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, again, the same guy who kill, goes around killing all his enemies, commanded Benaiah, and he went out and struck him down, and he died. So the king was this kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. And that's how the chapter ends. Um, it ends with the kingdom being established. And I think I'm starting to see this term established again and again and again. And maybe that's the theme uh, running through this chapter, the way that God establishes, or maybe Solomon establishes his own kingdom is by killing off all his enemies. Is that right? I mean, it seems to be the theme here. You know, everyone who opposed him in chapter one dies, uh, including this guy named Shimei. Yeah, he dies as well. So it's interesting that um, that no one gets away, that this is, sorry, I changed the page. Ooh, okay. Sorry, I lost the page. need to go back. One Kings chapter two. So it's interesting that um, wisdom is equated with judgment and judgment results in the establishment of this kingdom. So how do we apply that to today? I don't know, I'm so tired. Um, maybe, maybe, okay, let me think, let me think. Brain, work, uh, oh God help me by your spirit, please help me to see uh, how this applies to today. Um, maybe it shows the limits of wisdom, I guess, you know, the limits of judgment. Uh, human judgment, that it does make sense on one hand, you know, you need to get rid of all the rot, of all the possible threats to your throne in order to establish peace. Uh, and um, God's wisdom maybe doesn't work that way entirely, that God does uh, wipe out his enemies at the end, but in his wisdom through Christ, you know, he punishes his own son in order to forgive his enemies. So it's a much more merciful, much more loving wisdom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
but uh, maybe it shows the limits to the kind of human wisdom and judgment that we can exercise in this life. Um, say, I don't know, if you're a government, you're a king, and um, you really want to establish law and order in your country, um, I think to some extent uh, you would have to be uh, very, very firm <laughs> and, and, you know, verse 2, strong and show yourself a man. You have to really um, be resolved in establishing justice. And that's how Solomon does it. You know, in all his wisdom, he punishes the guilty. He doesn't delay. He shows mercy, yes, to Shimei, you know, gives him, you know, the opportunity to stay within his home and stay safe. But the moment he steps out, uh, the full force of judgment force falls on him. And you get the impression, I don't know if this is wrong for me to assume, I, you get the impression that Solomon kind of knew there would just be time before Shimei kind of like stepped out of, you know, kind of like broke the rules. And then he would just pour out this judgment he always planned to do anyway. Um, is that mercy? I don't know. I don't know. He did give him three years. But then again, he kept saying, you know, um, you know, may this fall on your own head, you know, may uh, you be punished for what you did to my dad, that kind of thing. So it does sound, it does sound slightly vindictive. So I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Um, <laughs> thank you for watching. <laughs> Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for... Um, uh, the wisdom that comes through the cross that uh, is foolishness to this age. It doesn't make sense that you don't punish us. It doesn't make sense that Jesus dies and we live. But yet, you do this and you call it your wisdom. And so thank you so much that that is the wisdom that we have in our King. I think um, when we try to do this without you, without Christ, you know, Solomon is the best that we can get. You know, a kind of king who is fair, who is just, but who also punishes his enemies um, almost mercilessly. And that is what we deserve fully because we have rebelled against you. But again, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his mercy. Thank you for the forgiveness that comes through his death on our behalf on the cross. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yep, um, sorry that was a long one and not quite as clear as I wanted it to be, but it is, uh, it is what it is. And it is 11 o'clock, I'm going to sleep. Uh, good night and thank you for watching. This has been the Daily Bible Reading Show looking at 1 Kings chapter 2. Take care and God bless. Good night, bye. Shh.